0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. right, So many good things that the Lord is doing. You know, we can sometimes, because of an incorrect perspective, we think, that God is not working. We think, oh, I'm the only one. There was a really, really famous prophet. And he was, I mean, he was quite the dude, eh? He, uh, he did some pretty amazing things. Very powerful guy. And then he was... He got to a point where he could only see the things that were in front of him, even though he was very prophetic, there were other things he could not see, Paul, he puts it this way, he says, you know, we see through a glass dimly, darkly, we see in part and we prophesy in part, no matter how spiritual you are and how prophetic you are, just remember, you're just seeing a portion. You're not seeing it all. God's got other things that He's doing with and through other people. That's why we need one another. It cannot be just you and God on your own. We need each other because God is giving different perspectives through others that will add to what we have. We'll get a far bigger perspective we get the bigger picture so Elijah was having this fat old whinge and wine session you've never done that but anyway shame you know this this poor guy and uh, he said I'm the only one left and God says look actually I've been taking care of another 7,000 people Who've not bowed the knee to a false God? They didn't take a knee (laughs) to some other foreign spirit based movement. You'd understand the roots of that thing. When they call out and they say, say the name, say the name. They're actually doing incantations. They're calling up the spirit of the dead. Don't touch that stuff. Light and dark don't mix. Just lost another few people. We're in a culling process here, Daryl. We lost a few people last week. Religious spirits don't like confrontation. A few religious spirits were confronted last week. I wondered what was happening. I soon found out. Not every storm is a bad storm. In the sense... When the Lord is in the middle of the lightning and the thunder. Anyway, back to Elijah. He said, there's 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee. And I've been taking care of them. Now Elijah was hugely prophetic. He was aware of much of what God was doing. But there was also some other stuff that God was doing that Elijah didn't know about. Which makes you wonder um, which makes you wonder about some people who get really caught up That God does nothing unless he reveals it to the prophets. Are you, are you kind of like... It's kind of like, well how come the prophet didn't know what God was doing? If God can do nothing unless he re- first reveals it to his prophets. There's got to be a context yeah. God doesn't limit himself, people, in the sense of he's now becoming subservient to man. And if the prophets aren't in the know, then God can't do anything. What? That that we must grant God permission? That's the number one best-selling book at the moment, that we must grant God permission. Hmm. Last I checked, God was God. And He will do what He wills. And nothing can stop Him. You were singing it this morning. (laughs) Even something that happened 500 years ago in your bloodline cannot stop the purposes of God. Let's get that thing settled. Otherwise I'll go back to Colossians again. That's not a threat. That would be a blessing. Honestly, that would be a blessing. Once and for all, nailed to the cross, it is finished. Folks, there was a reason we did Colossians. So that you would have the tools. You'd be able to feel it kinda this doesn't feel right. i got to go groping in the dark to try and figure out what happened how many generations ago. The reason I, I lost my job was because of something that happened in my bloodline 600 years ago. Really? The reason that you're ill? Really? I thought the cross took care of it all. Three amens is all I need. Can we reset the clock and I'm going to start again. Most preachers have multiple endings. But I have multiple beginnings. (laughs) I'm going to start again. <laughs> good morning. How's the Breakthrough family? Oh, so good. Oh, wonderful. I popped into the toddler zone this morning. It was great to pop in there. The, 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 uh, the, the online feed is working there. They've got their own surround sound. Great. They've got all these little play stations and whatever in the toddler zone. is a great place. Listen, you can only go in there if you've got a toddler. So borrow one. If you want to go in there, it's a, it's a really nice nice spot. So it's so good. Um, really so glad that you, you guys came, you know, after the storm last night. It was, like, pretty hectic. Now, Dan and Janelle, they were driving through. They'd been ministering somewhere. They were coming back last night. There was a lightning strike, like, right next to their car as they're driving. And they caught on the dash cam. It's pretty pretty electrifying. That, that moment was it's a powerful moment. And... Uh, yeah, just amazing how the Lord just, you know, uh, watched over us. We, we actually, you know, we, we discovered that we live in the river of God. And a river runs through. It actually, like, came in the front door of our house last night. And uh, just, like, ran through in the foyer and then was heading down the, down the passage there. And um, so Rob said, I think that's prophetic, you know, like, you live in the river. He's going, kind of like, Okay. Yeah, we can work with that. I mean, you know that this building actually is built on a riverbed. You know, when we dug up the foundations, you know, for, well, to lay the foundations, they actually discovered that there, there, there was these, the, this layer of these smooth stones that were there from, you know, who knows when. But there's like a riverbed that used to run through this, this particular property. So we said, thank you, Lord, we're built in the river. We're established in the river of God. You know so we take all these prophetic, pr- prophetic things, yeah So that's so good. So uh, yeah, just, just love the fact that the Lord just poured out just the most powerful, you know, burst, just like phew, raining down. Yeah? And sometimes when the rain comes, sometimes when revival comes, this is actually why it ties in with my next start. <laughs> which is I want to talk about revival. But when revival comes, you know, like when there's a massive outpouring of rain, sometimes things get a little bit, you know, moved around, messed around. Like you look the next day, there's a lot of leaves on the ground. There's a lot of stuff that's just been, you know, washed all over the show. There was a a tree in our road that came down last night. Like when there's a big outpouring of rain in the natural, sometimes things get disturbed. What do you think in the spiritual realm? When there's an outpouring of the rain of the Spirit, sometimes things get toppled over. Things get rearranged. And not everybody likes what God is doing. But we're saying, Lord, set our hearts in the right direction that we don't get offended with what you're doing. We know from the Bible that when Jesus showed up and he was doing the miracles, oftentimes he would do things that were beyond their particular paradigm. They didn't understand what he was doing and they got offended. These are the people whose whose whole lives were given towards, you know, spirituality, towards God. But when God God in the flesh showed up they didn't like what he did because he did things differently from the pattern that they'd been accustomed to. So sometimes Jesus will do things that are a little bit different from what we think it should be done in order to cause something to be revealed on the inside of us. So like last Sunday, I just wanted Marlies to show her smiley mask. But as soon as she stepped into the zone over here, well, there was a, like a power encounter. You know, like, just ask them when it's working. If you grab hold of, you know, a live current, it's going to cause your body... Like to shake, to quake, right? It's going to look really weird. How about when you have a power encounter with the all-powerful God? What do you think your body is going to do when you have a power encounter? It's going to look a little bit different. Some people think, oh, well, you know, we don't do that in church. Do you want to go to heaven? Have you heard what goes on up there? Oh my goodness. You better stay away from that place. It's crazy up there. I mean, they scream and shout and go berserk. Their worship is like the sound of mighty, rushing, thunderous waters. And they, I mean, they're up, they're worshipping, and then they're they're down on their faces on the ground. Worshipping. It's a loud place there. (laughs) Heaven is a very busy place. And from his very presence, there's lightnings and thunders and all kinds of things happening. Trumpets going off and crazy looking beings flying around in all directions. They've got so many eyes They've got to find places in their wings and things to put their eyes. They've got so many eyes. This is weird stuff. Heaven. I think many people are going to get very offended. Well, if they could get offended. Because when you're in heaven, it's a perfect place. No place for offense there. But if you could, they would. It's kinda like, oh, wasn't quite what we imagined. we just thought heaven was going to be a perpetual church service. (laughs) It's nearly time for my next beginning. So what I do want to talk to you about this morning is that we're preparing for revival. God is preparing us in this time and in this season for revival. Now, it's a long preparation. A long preparation. Probably not what you wanted to hear but I, I, I just want to draw a few things from the Bible if that's okay okay and I'm not saying that what happened to this bunch of people is going to happen to us in this way All I'm wanting to do is just to open up and expand and enlarge our minds, our thinking, our perspective, because, let's go back a few weeks, when we think that I am the center of the story, then I want resolution now. I want rescue now. I want everything to be fixed up, sorted out Hunky-dory ASAP. You got your Sunday go to church face on behind your mask. I'm prophetic. I can see it. All right. So when we're at the center of it, we think that everything needs to work out to make me comfortable. And God exists. And my salvation is there in order for me to be happy and comfortable. But when we come to the point of realizing and recognizing that actually it's all about God, his plan, his purposes, and his plans and purposes are eternal. And the major mind-blowing revelation is that God invited us into his story. And we get written in and it's just like, oh my goodness, his mercy and His kindness and His goodness, He wrote us into His story. And, and we get to play a part in His story. Oh, that's phenomenal. But His plan is not just about you and your life. His plan is about every single human being. And in fact, it's about all of creation. And even bigger than that, his whole thing is about crushing the head of the serpent under his feet. And because we're in him, Samite also happens to be under our feet. So this massive cosmic battle of the ages, eons and eons, we get to be part of that story. Now, if I'm standing in line at the grocery store and I have to wait more than three and a half minutes, I start getting uptight. Like, can't they hurry up? Come on guys, just like, get another cashier. What's wrong with you people? I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about people you know. We want things to be sorted out, resolved, like really quickly. But when we're part of God's story, it stretches and it spans eternity. Mm -hmm. And in God's moving with his people a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Okay. Now once upon a time you like stories? Once upon a time, there was a king, and his name was Saul. Saul started off well, ended up a little bit poorly. His son-in-law was given the kingdom. His name was David. David was a man after God's own heart. He did some amazing things. He was also human. He did some very naughty things. God looked at his heart, and in some way, God used him powerfully to expand and set up a united kingdom of the 12 tribes of Israel. So he brought together all of the tribes. He had a son called Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And also the wealthiest man who ever lived. He happened to build the first temple. I made a mistake a few weeks ago when I told you that the value of that temple was 16 billion US dollars. I apologize. I went to go and do a little fact check, which apparently is the thing to do these days. No, no. 216 billion US dollars for that temple. Sorry, I short-changed it by multiples. That's just counting the gold and the silver, the precious stones, all those things. That's amazing. 200, over 200 billion US dollars. That's amazing. And God's, you know, not even this temple. You know, when, when they're dedicating the temple... And they said, what have we built? This can't even house you. This is, this is nothing in comparison to your splendor and your beauty. 200, over $200 billion worth of building. But God, in His grace and His mercy, He comes anyway. The priests are there. And they have a charismatic service. They all get slain in the Spirit. You're looking at me funny. It says the priests could no longer stand in the presence of God to minister to him. They fell down. Just in case you were thinking that being overcome by the power of God was just a newfangled revival thing. No, it's when God shows up. In a very particular and powerful way. And read the scriptures. Even John. The beloved. The guy who'd been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. is on the Isle of Patmos. God shows up and he falls as dead slain. Falls as dead at his feet. God showed up in a very particular powerful way. The gods in the Garden of Gethsemane, they come to arrest Jesus. Remember? <coughs> Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And they're asking, Where, Who's this? Where's this Jesus? He says, I am He. And when Jesus says, I am, got it? How did God reveal himself in Exodus? I I am that I am. Jesus, he says, I am he. And what happens to a garrison of soldiers? I'm so glad you read your Bible so often. You know that they fell down to the ground at the revelation that Jesus is the I am. The soldiers, even unbelievers, fell out, down, boom. Under the revelation, God was there. Power encounters with God is not just something new to the charismatic church in revival. Back to the story, Solomon's temple, God's glory comes in, it's like smoke, like a mist, power encounter, after Solomon, he has a son, Jeroboam, and what happens is that things go sideways, literally, and the kingdom, which was united, gets divided, and you get the 10 tribes in the north, and becomes the northern kingdom, And their capital is in Samaria, and then you get the two tribes of um, Judah and Benjamin. Saul was a Benjamite, David was of the tribe of Judah, and these two southern tribes form together, and they form the southern kingdom, and it is Judah. So you get Israel, the ten northern, and Judah, the two southern. And these nations, they rise and fall and rise and fall. Can you see I'm drawing into Hebrews chapter 12. It says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we've spoken about the rise and the fall of nations. So you get the rise and the fall of nations busy taking place. And against this backdrop, God is speaking and he sends the prophets. And he's calling people back to himself. Return to me. Repent. Seek me. Move away from all these other idols, all these other things. And he's calling them back to revival. And in all of this, God raises up a bunch of people. And... Uh... Hosea actually identifies before it happens. So around 740 BC, the the northern kingdom, Israel, gets taken out by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians, under uh, Sennacherib and the ba- and the bunch, they take them out, and they are two waves of exile or two waves of deportation by the Assyrians of the northern kingdom. About 740 BC. Later on, the Assyrians get taken out by the Babylonians. And a guy called Nebuchadnezzar comes to power, and the, the Babylonian Empire gets so strong that they sort out the Assyrians. Because they sort out the Assyrians, they start looking for all the tribute, for all the rent, because they're now the new landlord. They're looking for the rent, the tribute, from the nations that the Assyrians had conquered. And the Assyrians had conquered the northern territories, right? So now, Nebuchadnezzar comes looking for his rent, and this is about 605 BC. So from 740 to 605, it's only the northern tribes, Israel, that's been taken off into captivity, Judah, they managed to hang on there. One of the things was when they were facing the Assyrians down in the southern kingdom in Jerusalem, there had been a king called Hezekiah and he would built a tunnel to get water into the city so they could withstand the siege and Jerusalem did not fall to the Assyrians back in 740. But now the prophets had come and the prophets had warned Turn back, turn back, turn to the Lord. And there were times when people would turn a bit, but then they would go astray again. Right? And so we get th- this time now when Nebuchadnezzar comes looking for his rent. He gets it from the northern guys. But uh, the southern guys, Judah, decided, you know, they're going to form an alliance with the guys from Egypt. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that. And so he said, right, I'll come and get Uh, get you guys down south and so he he got and so the first bit of exile if you like um, was in 605 it was the first of three waves of judah going to babylon the first one they just rounded up all all of the politicians state capture (laughs) took them off and they took all the top all the top, uh, you know, guys head of any, you know, particular field. They took all the all the top players off to the IPL, and um, they they took the they took the cream of the crop. That was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. All of that crowd, they were the guys that first sort of wave, and um, and then they left in place a king, and they were still to play rent. To the landlord, who was now Nebuchadnezzar, but then later on, in so that was six o five in five ninety seven, the guys got tired of paying rent, and they said, "No, we're going to form another alliance with so the guys in Egypt." And so Nebuchadnezzar said, "I have now had enough." So he came, and there was a um, a second um, uh, thumping of Jerusalem, and took those people. In five ninety seven that was the second wave all right, and um, then there was a third wave because the guys still rebelled, whatever, and they held out and, they, and so on so then Nebuchadnezzar came, so the second wave they in the second wave in five hundred ninety seven they took the temple treasures, they took all you know the gold. Um, the the articles the, the things that were used for worship they took all those precious things from the treasuries in the in the temple courts in the temple courts that were used for worship just putting it in there the courts for worship and carried that off to babylon then, because of the nonsense that, were, that was caused, all the rest of it, he comes back in um, 586, and that's when they destroy the temple. That's where they destroy the palace, all the rest of it. That was in 586, and then they carry most of the people. They just leave behind the sick, lame, and lazy back in, in Judah, but almost every. They, they take the massive amount of people across to Babylon. That's the third wave. So. We have the northern kingdoms in 740, the 10 tribes. They have two waves going off to Assyria. Much later, 605, you get the start of the three waves of Judah. They go to Babylon. Okay, you got it. We speak about Babylon as the 70 years of lockdown. So... I've been intrigued about this captivity, about this lockdown, what God said before, during, and after. And I've been so intrigued that I've been camping on this for the last few weeks. And because we're camping together, that's what you're getting. So that's my explanation of why we are where we are. And I'm going to start now (laughs) with where I really want to get. Good morning. I want to talk to you about preparing for revival. And I want you to know that God takes a long time to prepare for revival. In fact, He was preparing for revival and it was about 600 years worth of preparation. Even 7, 750 years that He prepared for revival. If we take the Assyrian exile of the northern kingdom. Be prepared for about 750 years or so. For revival. You see. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 29. And verse 11. We can pop the scripture up for you. Jeremiah prophesies to the people, and this is when the second wave of the Judah exiles had gone, and he says to these guys, camp there, plant, establish, marry amongst yourselves as the Jewish people. Pray for the prosperity, the blessing, the favor of that city. And in verse 10, stick around, it's going to be 70 years. And then he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you'll call on me and you'll come and you'll pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That sounds like revival, doesn't it? Yeah? And I will be found by you. It's times when when God comes near that revival and all these amazing things take place. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity and will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you or scattered you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you or carried you into exile. So there's a promise that the Lord is saying I've got good plans for you, I've got plans for revival. I'm preparing for revival. And part of this, part of what's going on, part of this lockdown is preparation for revival. And I'm dealing with your heart. Oh, Don't worry about the finances. Don't worry about your career. I'll take care of all those things. I've got good plans for you. So build houses and plant crops and, and, you know, have children. Increase. You're going to get through this thing, but actually, this is all about the heart. All of this stuff that you see is that I'm gearing up to bring you back into a place of revival. Isn't that amazing? I think it's absolutely beautiful. And so, Jeremiah, he's back in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the guys, two waves have gone. And he's writing in about 587, which is one year before the third and final wave. He's writing the year before the first temple, that one that was over $200 billion worth. He's writing one year before that thing is going to be destroyed. Come on now. Think about it. Just, you know... It's not back to the future. What are we? We're just going back to the back. Back to the past. They would have heard that. I have got good plans for you. How would they have interpreted? Oh, it's all going to be hunky-dory. We're going to come back to this place. The place is going to be standing. We'll just dust it off. <laughs> blow the dust off. Get rid of the cobwebs. And all will be fine. What does God do? He does something radically different. He allows for these guys to completely cause a past chapter to be closed through the destruction of Solomon's temple. Now if you were there and you'd listen to Jeremiah's word... I have plans for good, for your blessing, favor, prosperity, not to harm you, but for your good. You've got that prophetic word. What happens one year later? Finito. Was God's word false? You see, if we're looking at only our particular lens, our particular perspective... And things don't work out according to our perspective. We think God has failed us. God's missing it. He's not able. He doesn't love me anymore. Why should I follow this Jesus? But God is inviting us to take a few steps back and to see a bigger picture because He's preparing for a big revival. So Jeremiah, he's prophesying, he's telling all these people, he's telling them about a day, a time, a spiritual high point. You will seek me and you will find me. I will be found of you. God's saying, listen, that thing inside of you for revival, for spiritual intimacy, man, this is going to happen. But it didn't happen the way they thought. So they get carried away. And while this is happening, God begins to speak to them about a future thing. We'll see if we can come in the next little while to some other of the prophetic words around this thing, where the prophetic words speak about the now and then. Now then. Now, this is what you're facing, but then there is a future reality. And the prophetic word describes the future reality as though it was a certainty. Said so, now that's what you can look forward to. And these guys who hear the word, who there listening to Jeremiah. They're hearing about some prophetic words that will ultimately only be fulfilled long after they're gone. You see, we tend to build just for ourselves immediate comfort, immediate situation. God wants us to build generationally. some of you kind of like remembering oh yes that's right John when you came back from sabbatical and you gave us that amazing insight from the temple in Milan that took them about 600 years to build using I don't know how many different architects over multiple generations and how they stuck to the plan but that thing was eventually built, and it was built, they built the t- the, that cathedral to house the entire population of the city. It's remarkable. Talk about a megachurch, 40,000 people. And that took hundreds of years to do it. It was a multi-generational expression. It was a vision that went beyond just who they were in that moment. Some of you remembering when I shared that all those months ago. It's just a year ago. Wow. Okay. Now then. Now it's tough. But there's coming a day. And the Lord prophesies says, I will restore. I'm going to restore physically, financially, relationally, spiritually. That's the the, the thing. Is uh, in verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. That is an alternative translation, can be restore your fortunes. I will bring you back from captivity. Can be an alternate translation. Restore your fortunes. God is able to restore. Not only is he able. But he's willing. It's part of his plan. Alright. So. Do you remember we looked at a guy called Haggai. Haggai chapter 2. Remember. This is now. Okay, let's just go back to the, the timeline. You've got Jeremiah and he's prophesying in, in the waves of exit as they're being carried off into exile. Later on, Daniel picks up on Jeremiah's prophetic words and he begins to pray. The Babylonians get sorted out by the Persians. It was the Persians, eh? Have we got the correct. And um, Cyrus rises up. And he says, okay, I tell you what, we're going to send you guys back because they had a different um, political system. They were happy to send people back to their homeland and just send us the rent. Didn't have to carry people off into captivity. So they start sending people back. And you get Zerubbabel, he's back there, and you get um, Zechariah and Haggai, and they are prophesying that we must rebuild. Remember, first Sunday back after our, our lockdown, and some people rejoiced when the foundations were done, and other people wept when the foundations were done. And the noise was heard, such a big noise. And they couldn't distinguish between the the rejoicing and the weeping. But they were all looking at the same thing. But they had a very different response. Okay. Zechariah records that. Zechariah and Haggai. These two guys prophesying around about the same time. And the Lord is encouraging the people in the rebuilding process 70 years later. Through Haggai chapter 2 verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while... I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. Who is the desire of all nations? Speaking of Jesus. All right. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. That's why you don't have to worry about the stuff declares the Lord Almighty, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. All right. Now, first temple built by Solomon. Not single-handedly, you understand, but he was overseeing the, the, the building of the first temple it gets sorted out bust to the ground by the babylonians 70 years later they return from lockdown and they start rebuilding and they first do the the, the foundation they do the alt sorry they do the altar first then the foundation and then they start rebuilding and it's under the direction of zerubbabel that's why it's known as zerubbabel's temple it's the second temple and one of the prophetic dudes there's got quite a you know twitter following and all the rest of it it's Haggai puts out this tweet and people kind of like, wow this is amazing they're really enjoying it all right and and so he's he promises through the Lord the Lord promises that what we're about to build will be greater the revival you're going to see is going to be greater than the past revival the revivals of old Those revivals, those good times when the priests could not even stand up in the presence of God. that that They would roll on the floor. They would crawl on the floor. They would be flat down on the ground. Those Holy Spirit, the weighty presence of God, the glory, the kabod, the weighty presence of God, so filled a place. It was such a weightiness on them, the presence of God, they could not stand. So much glory, you couldn't even see what was going on, because there was the cloud of His glory, His presence in that place. reminded them of a previous revival on the top of a mountain, Mount Sinai. They're up there, there was lightning, there was thunder, there was fire, there was earthquake, there were trumpet blasts. And the people said, whoa, we're a little scared of this revival. Mo, you go to the top. You take Aaron and the gang with you. You're going to go and have a feast up there. That's okay. We're okay. But we're staying down here. They were scared of that revival. Happy to tell the stories of it. Almost everybody who's recording and writing about a past revival, goodness They wouldn't set foot in a current revival. That's why I need a drummer. Solomon's temple, glory, revival. The prophet says there's another revival coming. It's going to be even bigger and greater. So I'm a bit slow, you know. It's confession time. And you kind of like, oh, this is so obvious. How come I never saw this thing? You know, you sometimes hear that. So this is my confession time. It's kind of like, because I, I didn't really hear too many stories of that second revival, which was so big Such greater glory. I mean, surely there should have been volumes written about that that next revival. Gosh eh. And they hit me. Of course yes. (laughs) The desire of the nations will come. Who is the desire of the nations? Who walked into the temple? Simeon. He's an old man. He's got a promise from the Lord. He's going to see revival before he dies. He holds the infant Jesus. He says now... Let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen the glory of God, the consolation. Consolation could be translated the comforter, rescuer, savior. Consolation, the one who came to save. My eyes have seen. It was also code language, the Messiah. because they'd connected some of the prophetic words from Isaiah Isaiah chapter 12 and Isaiah chapter 49 about the consolation the comfort one the one who would come to comfort them it says oh Lord I'm seeing the beginning of this revival it's come into the house of God how about Anna she'd been married for about seven years and then Got widowed. Spent a whole life there. Day and night. Night and day. A whole life. Just worshiping. Chikalak kind of has a spiritual encounter. It's just the baby. The infant, Jesus. How about when Emmanuel, God with us, the Word became flesh and he's 12 years old and he comes in and the people are astonished at this one the wisdom, the insight, the knowledge the revelation about the word they're blown away the desire of the nations He came to that building. And what kind of a revival did he bring? (laughs) That all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) Come on. Isaiah, he's prophesying. Hosea prophesying about the northern kingdoms 740 or so BC. God says I will woo you into a lockdown that I might speak tenderly with you. You've, you've played the adulterer you've gone after other powers and other resource, you've gone after other things but I'm going to woo you into the desert the wilderness, the lockdown this guy Hosea was just like uh, you talk about prophetic actions come on you supernatural people We do prophetic actions. Hosea, he has two children and he gives them strange names. The one is called Not Loved and the other one is called Not My People. Hey, Not Loved, come here. Stop a time. Not my people. Clean up the dog's mess. Have you done your homework? Not loved? But then God turned it around. He said, those who were not loved will be loved. And those who are not my people will be my people. 700 plus years with an eye towards a revival Lord I can go in peace now I've seen I've seen here comes the answer here's revival it's just a baby but it's here the Messiah the desire of all nations it's, it's begun nothing's going to stop it now I can go what's my point as I have my first closing God prepares a long time For revival. In this case, 700 and something years. But God's words, purposes, plans, they stand. They'll happen. Second closing. There were a number of waves as they were heading into lockdown. Don't get upset if there's more than one wave. God's not lost the plot. Remember, the story is not just about you, the story is about him. And remember, Haggai, third closing, he's now on the other side of lockdown. They're starting the rebuild, they're starting getting the revival going, so to speak, with the building up of Zerubbabel's temple. And God says, once more, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. It wasn't at the beginning of lockdown, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the rise and fall of nations. When did this word come? On the tail end of lockdown. There's a lot of things that are going to shift and change in our world. Blessed are the flexible. For they shall not be bent out of shape. (coughs) So. What should we do with this? And my final of my last three. (laughs) But you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house can be translated a temple of the spirit to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built into a spiritual temple. How about this? Ephesians 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Not my people. You're no longer not my people. by his spirit hallelujah revival's on the way we are being built for revival hallelujah let's stand What was the point of today's message? God's really big and he's on about really big things. So don't get upset with the tiny little inflections on the graph. What's the long-term trend of the graph? Revival. God's purposes being established. The glory of that latter, later, that house, greater than all the revivals you've known before. Which is why we come down to our conclusion, the best is yet to come. If we can hold on to that, we can handle all these inflections on the graph. Because we understand that those inflections are actually just little blips. It's not the end of the story. We're moving towards the end of the story. And God is causing us to move in the right direction. Can we pray? Thank you, Lord. You're doing good things. You're doing big things. You're doing wonderful things. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.